Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Well, you have joined Dr. Carol Francis with author Tom T. Moore, and you will not leave this show the same as you began. And isn't that the intention all along, that we evolve ourselves? But Tom T. Moore is going to give you some tools for advancing the comfort and well-being of your life and those around you. He's also going to intrigue you with communication with angels and, yes, ETs. So hold on. Think outside the box. Think inside your life. Tom T. Moore, you're going to take us down the gentle way and into the first contact. How are you today, Tom? I am doing great. Thank you, Dr. Carroll, and, and hello to everyone around the world. Great. Well, you are first going to help us understand what's an absolutely amazing tool that you're very excited about. This is a tool that you actually contacted me about. Tell us all about it. Sure. The gentle way is a modality that's a giant step forward from uh, if, if you've heard of the law of attraction. And basically, it's, it's where you, uh, you request benevolent outcomes in your life, and it can be for anything. I mean anything. And in my belief system, I believe it goes to my guardian angel, and, um, and my guardian angel is able to look at the road ahead and, and know if what I'm requesting is in my best short-term and best long-term interests. Now, if someone believes that it, the request goes to their higher self or to God or Jesus or Muhammad, Allah, Allah or um, a Hindu deity or Buddha, it doesn't matter because it works and it works perfectly, and I've never been able to say that for any modality that I'd ever tried in the last mm, 30 or 40 years. So it just seems like it's very respectful of anybody's point of view as long as it's a deeply held spiritual point of view. Is that the purpose of what you're suggesting? Sure. Even uh, an atheist could make these requests and just think that they're just creating some kind of positive affirmation, you know. Um, so it, it works with everybody. Uh, it's just that, that I've been told that, that my guardian angel handles the requests and does them with great love and affection. And, uh, and if it's on my soul contract uh, or within my soul contract perimeters, it will be taken care of and I will get the request whether it be a mundane request uh, for a parking spot in front of a, a busy restaurant or mall or whatever, or something you know really much more important to people like the perfect job or the perfect home or the perfect mate for them. So it, it operates in, at all levels. I, okay, so the tool is what? Well, because actually this is a very simple tool, a kind of state a state of mind, emotion, and actual words. What, how, make the tool usable for us. So how does this tool work? 
sure. It's very simple to do. I, I was what was called inspired to word it this way so that there was no deities involved. All you simply say is, I request a most benevolent outcome for a parking spot in front of XYZ restaurant. Thank you. And, that's, and you don't do that as you're pulling into the parking lot. You try and do that before you even leave. And you'll find that when you drive up, uh, someone's pulling out of the parking spot right in front of the door um, uh, just as you arrive. And that's, that's how simplistic it is, but it's also extremely powerful because when you get into these more important requests, you'll find that it, it works just as well. And if it doesn't seem to work, it's because something better is on the way for you and you don't know about it in, in your conscious life. So the simple request for yourself is, I request the most benevolent outcome for, and fill in the blank and then say thank you. And then also yes. dovetail it with kind of the other side of it is when you're making requests for others. And kind of vary that when you're making a request for others. Do you want to explain that? Sure. Uh, again, now this is my belief system. Um, the requests that you make are supposed to be specifically for yourself. That's one of the the rules of of uh, requesting benevolent outcomes. But beyond that, um, if you want to request a benevolent outcome for someone else, something else, whether it, you know it be for your dog or cat or something like that, you say, "I ask any and all beings to come to the aid and comfort of." Blank, 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 blank. Thank you. Or and you can you can word that according to the situation. So, but it's you say I ask, and and when I when I communicated with my guardian angel, I said I don't see both of them sound like they're the same. Request and ask, and I was told go get a dictionary. So I did, and it is different. So the difference would be what in terms of the cosmic responsiveness i mean what is why is there well, such a distinction well one of the requests goes to your guardian angel the other one the i ask goes to a different set of angels what we call angels that are actually whole souls there are about a million of these whole souls and they take care of all the prayers that are set on earth by every religion anywhere and um uh, so it's it's uh, these angels, uh, these prayer angels, uh, take care of all these these requests, and so it goes to a, a different group than it does to your guardian angel. Okay, folks. So we're going to get into more detail about why this works, what Tom's experience with all of this is. But Tom, if you could first share some amazing stories that you received. I mean, your book, number three, which is the one that I read, The Gentle Way Three, Master Your Life by Tom T. Moore, which is available on Amazon, uh, etc., and also his website. What is your website, Tom? Uh, through my website, you can go to www.thegentlewaybook.com. Wonderful. Thegentlewaybook.com. So, Tom, I know this is not really fair to do to you, but if you could possibly select one or two of your most favorite examples of how powerful 
and significant these tools oh, are. No problem. Uh, there, okay. there are some that really, really stand out uh, from others. Um, uh, one would be a, a lady emailed to tell me that she lived on a farm up in Kansas, and uh, suddenly there was a tornado bearing down on her house, and she grabbed the kids and ran for the basement, and she requested a benevolent outcome, and the tornado lifted up and went right over her house and went on. Another oh lady wrote to tell me that uh, that her daughter was uh, who also requested benevolent outcomes was walking downtown in Union City, California, which I've never been to, and uh, there was a van with some men that started following her. And so she requested benevolent outcome for her safety, and just then a group of people came outside from a house or a building, and the van drove away. And she, her, her, uh, her daughter truly felt that, that um, she was uh, uh, saved from possible harm by those people coming out, out at that very exact moment. Okay. And then wow. another one that, that I received was from a lady who wrote and said, Tom, let me tell you about the 60-second home invasion. And she lived up in Seattle uh, with her boyfriend, and uh, their, their uh, housemate had just set up a brand-new TV upstairs for them, and they just started watching TV, probably put the box out on the alley, because suddenly there was this crash downstairs, and they ran down to see what had happened, and it was two masked men, and they pistol-whipped him and uh, kicked both of them to the floor, and so she requested a benevolent outcome at that time, and suddenly there was this tinkling bell outside by the alley, and these guys thought someone was on the way, and so they ran out the door with only his billfold, which only had... Uh, uh, which uh, only had his ID in it and nothing else. And, uh, and it, this all took place in 60 minutes. What had happened was that, that the roommate had run out the back door in his skitties with two knives and had run, run through the gate, which caused the bell to ring, and ran next door trying to get somebody to, to call the police, which obviously they were going to let him in looking like that. And, and <laughs> as she reported, there were 14 police cars that came. So they were, uh, but uh, but it was only uh, everything happened within within 60, 60 seconds. So that was another wow. one. I just had oh, one, wow. um, uh, you know, just recently for me. I I never go anywhere without requesting a benevolent outcome for uh, for my drive. And so in this particular case, um, I'd requested a benevolent outcome for my drive back from getting a haircut, and I was on the North Dallas Tollway, which is the area that I live in, and I was uh, coming up on the legacy exit in Plano, for anyone in your audience that has been in this area. And, um, And so I was driving, and I was on the lane that would be uh, ready to exit when the exit lane came up, and suddenly a, a pickup truck right beside me. Obviously, I was I was in their blind spot. They just came right on over, and I mean, I had to slam on my brakes and actually had to go onto the shoulder of the highway 
in order to avoid uh, being hit, and uh, and I wasn't, and and the uh, uh, the truck went on and I honked, <laughs> which was about all I could do, and uh, and went on to the exit. So that was one that happened, and then several months ago on that very same at that very same exit, but after I'd already exited. I um, I turned the corner. Of course, I'd requested benevolent outcome for my drive, and I turned the corner behind a b- big black uh, pickup, uh, and uh, and he was in the left-hand lane, and I was in the middle lane because I didn't want to be so close to him. And as we approached the first signal light, going about 40, 45 miles an hour, a lady had not seen him. Either she was on her phone texting, or or there was a car that was also. Uh, uh, that was going to turn uh, opposite, and maybe her vision was blocked, but she turned right in front of him, and he broadsided her at at 40 or 45 miles an hour, lifted her SUV off the ground, spun it around 180 degrees right into my lane, and I slammed on the brakes and came within uh, six feet of, um, of hitting her driver's side door. So... That was that was another time. So uh, I I don't go anywhere without requesting, but that will not come from our drives. In a moment, Tom, I'm going to ask you how you verify this and all the other aspects of communicating with angels in terms of of your experiences and and uh, knowing that it's beyond coincidence, beyond your imagination. But first, there is just one sentence in your book that I must just reveal to people. It was just so powerful, I keep reading it over and over again. And here's what it says. Uh, in, uh, to be of service, these individuals volunteer. In fact, millions of years ago did. And the sentence continues, as we have these hard, challenging lives completely veiled from knowing who we really are. And then we have these NDOs that can be granted to us. Now, the reason I took that out of context is, Tom, I was so intrigued by the recognition that you are saying we have challenging lives and they're completely veiled from us. We don't know who we really are compared to what is beyond. So these MBOs are like a way of connecting to, to those that are here to assist while we live kind of blind to where we're going and where we're coming from and who we are. Can you talk to me more about that? Sure. Um, these, what we call guardian angels, are actually whole souls, and they're actually what are called golden light beings. Okay, and the reason they're called golden light beings is that their vibrational levels have have risen over millions of years to the point where they emanate a golden light, and and, and so they're extremely experienced whole souls. And if I call them, uh, and they they like the term servants of the Creator. That's what they they feel that they are. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but if I called them that, no one would know what I was talking about. So I call them what what everyone generally calls them, and that's uh, that's guardian angels. And and so they're there to assist us, but we have to ask for their assistance. That's one of the six benevolent outcomes rules number one is you request the assistance and number two it must be benevolent not only for you but for everyone connected with the request so in other words 
a soldier in Afghanistan couldn't say, I request the most benevolent outcome for killing my enemy before he kills me. That wouldn't work. He can't say, I request a benevolent outcome for coming back from this patrol safely or uh, for my truck uh, to be safe on my drive from Kabul to my outpost, something like that. But they can't. It, it has to be benevolent for everyone connected with the request. And number three, it must be a request for you specifically. Uh, benevolent prayers are what you say for others. And it must be said out loud or in writing because this is a physical world and it has to be said out loud. And there's no limit, number five, no limit to the number of times that you can request benevolent outcomes. And number six, trust in the process. I recommend starting with these simple uh, requests for a parking spot or whatever, the mundane request, a, uh, you know, a seat on a, a busy subway or, or a bus or whatever, however you get to work each day. So how is, Tom, how is this different from prayer or how is this different from the law of attraction or how does it extend both or interface with both? Sure. And I, I missed the first one. Yeah, how does how does this how does this differ or coincide with prayer, and how does this oh, differ prayer. or coincide with the law of attraction? Right. Sure. Uh, in a way, it's it's a form of prayer. You can look at it that way because you're uh, you're asking a spiritual deity or a, a spiritual entity, I should say, um, to assist you, and but allowing for everyone's different uh, beliefs. And I mean, even people that believe in angels have wide views of of uh, differing views of what angels are. Okay, some people believe in angels, but some people uh, don't believe in guardian angels, as an example. Um, so that's why I was inspired to have that simple simple line that works for everyone. Uh, now, as far as the law of attraction. I tried the law of attraction long before it was called the law of attraction. Um, <laughs> I've been around for quite a long time, and and these modalities were around, but someone just kind of, you know, uh, named it something different and and put it in another box, so to speak, or whatever. And and I tried for years. I I had a a photo of a a jet plane, a private jet plane, that I sat on behind my my desk on the credenza for several years thinking, well, if I had enough money to buy a, a private jet, I would be really, really successful in business because I come from the business side. I'm, I, I'm not, you know, I didn't start out as a writer. I, I, I've been in business for over 40 years on my own businesses. And so that's, uh, that's where I was coming from. I was looking for ways that would... Um, that would give me an edge of being a small businessman, and um, and I just and it didn't happen. Well, the reason it didn't happen, as I understand now, is that it was not on my sole contract. So, as an example, when when I started requesting benevolent outcomes, uh, when a friend of mine and I tried to put the funding together for a package of movies several uh, several years ago. Uh, based on a writer by the name of Peter Cheney, who's an English writer who wrote uh, spy novels in World War II. And I tried to put financing together for two years 
Um, and each time I would get close to putting the financing together, it would fall apart for the strangest, weirdest reasons. And finally, I, I asked my guardian angel, Theo, I said, Theo, why is it that, you know, that I'm, uh, I've been requesting benevolent outcomes and it's still not working? He said, Tom, he said, uh, uh, that's not on your soul contract. He said, if you were to go down that path, you would never have reached the people that you're going to reach with your books and your speaking and all. And, uh, and, and that's why. And so I, after I understood that, I said, okay, on to other things. Clarity. So that's, again, that's what it does. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes uh, you don't want to go down that path. If, if the law of attraction, you keep saying, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, and you get that, maybe that's the wrong thing for you. Or maybe there's something a lot better that that you could request, but you don't know the request. So that's why you put it in spirit's hands to know what's best for you. You, you know, when I when I worked with the law of attraction or all the different laws of manifesting or intentionality and written about it and worked with people, I think it is very useful for helping people to tap into that they do have power and influence in their lives so that they're not living oh, weak and uncertain and feeling like it's at, you know, at the mercy of, the, of fate or at the mercy even of God. You know? But one thing I really noted in your book, uh, which is The Gentle Way 3, again available on Amazon.com, The Gentle Way 3, you mentioned that this is all about people learning the experience of co-creating with spirit, co-creating their life, the veiled the veiled aspects of their life, the passions of their life, the moments of their life, but they're co-creating with spirit. You want exactly. to talk more about that? Sure. Uh, my guardian angel, Theo, says that when you start requesting benevolent outcomes, it, it, it really does several different things for you, uh, which, which I didn't know when I started out. All I knew is that it was working better than I had ever seen any modality work. And so I was just happy. You know, it was like uh, better than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you might say. And um, so it, it was, you know, but I found out that, that people would ask me, well, how can I work on ascension? Well, when you start requesting benevolent outcomes, Theo says that it automatically takes you to another level. He says you can read all the books and 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 all the and listen to all the speakers and everything, but until you start implementing, until you start co-creating with spirit, you will remain at at one level. And but when you start co-creating, you you tap into another level, and you start raising your vibrational level a little bit at a time. So over a several-year period, your vibrational level will go up uh, fantastically well as compared to all these very, very difficult um, machinations that some people uh, try and, and get you to try that are, are so difficult and, 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 you know, a tiny, tiny percentage of, of the audience would be able to do them. You have people all over the world that are responding to your blogs, who have contributed to your books, and you say that the benevolent outcome in your life will increase your awareness, feel a lightning of spirit, lower the levels of fear in your life, lower the levels of stress, 
handle problems and challenges, have more success in life, raise your vibrational level, and increase your spirituality. And Tom, I think it would be wonderful everybody to know how you kind of landed on discovering this. What, what was the what was the avenue through dreams, through dialogues with angels that that led you to discovering this most benevolent outcome um, avenue of communicating to the angels? Sure. Uh, and it was very simple. I was, I'm, I'm, I was like everyone else. I, you know, I, I read a lot, uh, read a lot of, of different types of spiritual books and things like that. And I was, uh, I was reading each month the Sedona Journal of Emergence. And one of the authors that I really liked, um, who had a series of books, had two series of books. One called the Shining the Light series, and the other one was called um, the Explorer Race series. Uh, his name is Robert Shapiro, and uh, Robert Shapiro uh, is a considered a, a master trance channel. Okay, and he can channel just about anything from anywhere. You name it. Um, and so one one of his articles in the Sedona Journal, he was channeling a a creator being that assists our creator in in helping with the, you know running some things in the universe and his name was Zosh and Zosh uh, said in this article uh you can uh, you can request benevolent outcomes in your life and I said hmm that's kind of interesting because I'd noticed at that time 16 years ago uh, the word benevolent was not being used very much it believe it or not it has increased in use, usage a hmm. lot more in in the ensuing years and hmm. uh, so so here, benevolent had stood out like a sore thumb, so to speak, in many other articles that I'd read, and so that's why it stood out for me. And I said, well, gosh, I'll just try and, and experiment with this, just like I experimented with law of attraction and, and other, you know, other things, astrology or numerology, whatever. And uh, so I started experimenting with it, and that's when I discovered that it worked perfectly and worked better than anything else I'd ever tried. And so eventually I started uh, writing, uh, you know, some articles for the Sedona Journal. I got to know Robert Shapiro as a friend. Turns out he's he's a, uh, a member, uh, a soul fragment from my soul cluster, uh, which was kind of interesting. And, um, uh, and, and so my articles were extremely well received. People really... Uh, it resonated with them, and a lot of people started requesting benevolent outcomes. So it it's grown over the last 16 years from those initial effort, efforts. It also, if I'm recalling correctly, it also extended from some work you started doing with dreams. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. One of yeah. the things that I I have discovered is is that of course um, dreams are. Uh, are messages from your soul, and uh, they uh, some of the dreams are some of the dreams just take care of of the normal uh, life that you're living here, and other dreams you're going to other parts of the universe to help other beings with their problems. Okay, uh, that's what I I found out about dreams. Uh, <laughs> very short, compact uh, paragraph, um, and so I started. Um, uh, recording my dreams in 1979 
Um, and uh, I recorded the, uh, some even earlier than that, uh, but I, I decided I was going to really start doing it. Why, I can't remember it now. And two weeks after I started recording my dreams, um, I had this very, very vivid dream of, a, of an explosion with a woman and some men involved. At that time, my wife and I owned an international wholesale tour company, and we were supposed to be going to Manila for a World Congress of Travel Agents. And, and so it was so vivid that we changed, we dropped Manila off of our itinerary and added days to Hong Kong and Taiwan because we still wanted to go visit the Far East. And so, sure enough, on the very first day of the, um, uh, of the exposition of the uh, uh, convention, uh, terrorists exploded a bomb at the front of the, uh, of the convention hall where I like to sit, and it injured 10 travel agents. And so, um, and later, uh, a woman who worked in the Philippine um, trade office in Los Angeles and four men were arrested as being the terrorists who, who set the bomb. So after that time, I said, I'm going to rec- uh, record my dreams every day for the rest of my life, and I have. Wow. So one of the things that I think dreams does for you is that when you start wanting to get into meditation and taking meditation farther than just sitting and concentrating on a light or whatever and you you want to communicate with your own guardian angel or whoever you want to communicate with i believe that the practice of recording dreams because you're still in what's called an sort of an alpha state uh when you're waking up and you're at a state where you can still remember the dreams, but once you become fully conscious, they go away. And and that is sort of the same way it works when I communicate with Theo and Gaia and, and whoever uh, else I communicate with. Um, I, I do it in a light alpha state, and I'm able to ask the questions and type the answers on my computer and and at the end of the hour, as an example, I did an hour this morning. At the end of the hour, I couldn't tell you almost anything that I typed. I have to go back and and read it to see what what I I received uh, on on the questions and answers. Oh, so interesting. I I got the impression then from your book that this did seem like a way of kind of progressing through a spiritual self-discovery or the spiritual cosmos of going from dreams and then discovering that MBOs are most benevolent outcome requests also begin to dovetail you like a, a preliminary way of moving you toward greater and greater connection to the domain of what's spiritual, what's not non-physical. And then we w- walk right into you discovering you are communicating with angels and then with ETs. So now we're going yeah. to move into what I think is harder to take in because I do believe in the power of attraction. I believe you don't even have to believe in anything else. <laughs> you can attract whatever. But here suddenly we're talking about a belief in communication with others in physical or what we can experience as physical entities. So my first question to you, Tom, 
is how in the world do you verify that these are not products of your wonderful imagination or your wonderful wish or hope? Because I know I have a wonderful imagination, and how do I differentiate that? How do people differentiate imagination from an actual communique with non-visible okay. so form? Let's start with actually how it happened, okay, initially. Okay, all right. Um, all right. Uh, I became friends with Robert Shapiro, and he actually channeled not only Zosh, but also an Indian shaman living in the 1600s, uh, American Indian shaman, uh, in the 1600s in the western part of the United States. Uh, because all of our lives, uh, as, as people will someday understand, all of our lives are, uh, are all taking place at the same time. Time is an illusion for us. Okay, So, uh, so one time I, was, uh, I asked uh, the Indian shaman whose English, name in English is Reveals the Mysteries. I said, Reveals the Mysteries, is it my sole contract to, um, to support Robert Shapiro's work? And he said, no, it isn't. And I thought, well, that's awfully strange because it seemed like that's what I was doing by, by uh, you know, uh, pushing benevolent outcomes. And so this kind of grated on me for a couple of years. And then huh. my, my wife and I uh, uh, attended a, a seminar put on in Sedona, Arizona, by Dick Sutphin, or Richard Sutphin, as he likes to be called now, uh, S-U-T-P-H-E-N, and he's, uh, uh, he's a master hypnotist and also the author of a million selling books, um, uh, Born Again to Be Together was one of them. And so it was uh, to increase your psychic abilities. And so we attended that. I had attended one or two of his seminars before. My wife had not, and so I thought I was just going to support her. And so the second day of the seminar, we were going to be put under again for like the second or third time that day, um, and this time we were supposed to try and do automatic writing. I decided I was going to try and contact Reveals the Mysteries and ask him a further question uh, about it. So when we put us under, I said, Reveals the Mysteries, are you there? And he said, yes, I am, Tom. And I said, wow, this is neat. And so I said, okay, Reveals, why am I the guy out here pushing vanilla and outcome so hard and nobody else seems to? And uh, he said, Tom, he said, you're an Indian shaman living at the same time I am. Uh, your name is Stillwater, and you had decided to incarnate into the 20th and 21st centuries in order to reintroduce people to the gentle way. So I got the name of the book the first time I ever communicated with Reveals the Mysteries. And so eventually that led to me communicating with who I call Theo because my guardian angel says that, that uh, we do not have the vocal cords that, would, uh, uh, that can pronounce um, angelic names and we'd become frustrated. So he said, we're not big on names over here. He said, you can call me Tom, Dick, or Harry, but he said Tom would be a little difficult in your medita- in your meditations, and so yes, he he's he's likes to make funny comments all the time, and uh, and, and so uh, I thought about it a while, and a couple of weeks later, suddenly this name Theo popped into my head, where I don't know from, uh, probably from a past life or something, and and ever since I've called him Theo, 
But if somebody wants to be able to, uh, to call their guardian angel by a name, you simply say out loud, guardian angel, what name shall I call you? And some people may pick it up within a few seconds, or it may take a couple of weeks like it did me, uh, slow people. And, uh, uh, but you'll, you'll have a name that it, you know, it may be something, you know, really strange, or it may be, you know, a, a name, a, a, you know, like person down the block or whatever. So it's all up to the individual. Hmm. Okay, okay, so, then, but so, how, how in this powerful experience? Yes, yes, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> when when I started asking questions, okay, um, uh, the way I found that I knew um, uh, that it was not coming from me, okay, was was were in many instances where I thought I knew the answer, or I thought I knew. Of what the answer would be, and it would be completely opposite of what I thought. Okay, and mm-hmm. so when you when when you're communicating and you're getting information completely different than you thought it would be, that's a pretty good indication that you are definitely communicating with spirit. Now, obviously, when I do these when uh, when I do these meditations, I surround myself with white light and even then uh, a bubble of white light and then another bubble of gold light even beyond that for complete protection. That's another way that I protect uh, protect myself to make sure that the messages are coming through good. And before I do a meditation, I say I request a most benevolent outcome to receive these messages. Perfectly, thank you. And that's another way because suddenly you're drawing in your guardian angel to also protect you. Okay, so then one of the verifications then is that you're getting answers that are contradictory to your own sensibilities or your own your own structure of things. Are there any other ways in which you say, look, I need to put this to the test and I need to be able to verify this? That became well, powerful. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some of the things that that uh, I have learned would be way out of my normal knowledge. Okay, I, I am I come from a business background. Now, the, the two problems that I have in in doing this work is that I'm pretty bad on names, and and I'm not the greatest on numbers. Now, the way I've been able to find how to work around numbers is that um, oh, let's see if I can I can give an instance um, uh, let's just say uh, if I want to know well how how many years ago uh, was this pyramid bit uh, uh, built uh, was it at least ten thousand years ago uh, yes it was was it uh, twelve thousand. Uh, yes, just a little more than that time. Okay, 13,000? No, that's too much. It's more like 12,500. That's sort of the way sometimes I have to work into uh, two numbers because I really had a hard time uh, starting out in my comprehension of numbers coming through. And names have always been even harder. I'm, I'm still working on names. That's very interesting. So these conversations that you have with Theo, um what have been some things that Theo has revealed, maybe recently or long-term, that you just have this burning urge to say on this program 
that Theo has just said, you know, let's just move this forward. Let's get this message out. Oh, gosh, that's kind of hard to say. Um, (laughs) 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 Let me think. Um, Well, you know, here's something. Okay, Okay. here's something. Um, uh, I had a friend. We were at a, a party on Saturday night, a group of friends, we get together for dinners about once a month, okay? And one of my friends uh, believes that, that where I believe it's a guardian angel that helps me with the parking spot, he believes that it's his higher, higher self, okay? So I decided okay. to ask Theo about this. So I said, Theo, some people believe in parking angels are actually their higher self. Your comments, please. Yes, Tom, here we encounter belief systems. There are many people who differentiate in their concept of spirit, Tom, just as there are different sects, shall we call them, of one religion such as Christianity. There are people who believe in angels, but you ask them if they believe in guardian angels, and they will say no. There are many different beliefs about your own guardian angels. We will use that term uh, here for recognition. Even you used to believe a GA such as myself was a little ball of light and whose capabilities mirrored that of clarity life. So here we arrive at your question. As I have told you before, we work closely with what you call your higher selves and we call your souls. We intimately know your soul contracts for each life and do our best to keep you on those soul contracts. If your fringe was fringe, friends <laughs> wish to believe it was their higher selves or souls finding that parking space for them, Allow. It is just another belief system, as I mentioned above. We care not who gets credit for that parking space, Tom. We are just happy that person is asking for assistance at all, as so many millions and, yes, billions of people do not ask for any assistance, and so we allow them to stray off their soul paths as your own souls have instructed us to do. So when you get messages like that, you know, all the time that are very, very deep, it, it causes you to want to go on and on and on. Absolutely. I mean, and, and do you, does your wife also communicate with angels? Uh, no. Uh, she, shall we I don't say, to... can... <laughs> uh, go ahead. Well, okay, it, it would get into something she doesn't want me to talk about. So, I, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't mean to pry. I guess I don't. I don't mean to pry, and I apologize. See, there you go. I, but at the same time, I'm, I'm curious about when you are with other people who also speak with angels. Do you find the yeah. angels dialoguing with each other while the two of you uh, well, are also you can, in dialogue? Okay, can, and I was thinking that your wife and you might have the best communication in that regard. Well, I mean, she's always uh, saying, "Well." You know, my guides are telling me this. My guides are telling me that. Okay, and, okay. and we can jump into uh, to the subject of guides for just a second. Guides, um, uh, people uh, have asked me, well, do you have two guardian angels? No, you have one guardian angel that, as I say, is a super uh, amazing being that not only handles your soul but thousands and thousands of other souls. Okay all at the same time for all the lives and all, all the parallel lives, which are 12, going on all at the same time. And, and so 
uh, but you also have one major guide that comes from your soul cluster that's with you your whole life, and then most of the other souls uh, that are are acting as guides come in as they're needed and leave if they're not needed anymore. Allah, as an example, when my wife and I owned the wholesale tour company, I had a couple of guides that helped me with that tour business. When I went into the international um, film and TV distribution business, I have a couple of guides that helped me with that. And when I started writing these books, um, I have two writer guides. And I know uh, my my uh, mother also is one of my guides who helps me with all things feminine because 80% of the people that subscribe to my newsletter um, uh, are, are female. Sure. Well, that's interesting. So there's a difference between the archangels and angels and guides and higher yes. selves. And then where do yes. ETs fit into this matrix? Well, ETs are, you know, I mean, they're simply uh, uh, soul fragments um, uh, of, of souls. I mean, that's that's basically what what they are. Uh, your soul uh, is, is not just this little ball of light like I thought guardian angels were. Your soul can be having a half million to a million lives all over the universe going on at the same time. That's how powerful your your souls are. So, um, on Earth, typically there's a cluster of soul fragments that your soul has sort of spit out or created, and uh, typically each soul cluster has an average of 6 to 12 fragments in the soul cluster. And I used to think they were peas in a pod, but Theo has explained to me that that each uh, fragment of a soul is imbued with a different personality and different interests. So as an example, my soul fragment um, uh, has an interest in religions. And I've been, I, I've been around when all the religions of the world were created in, uh, in past lives. Okay? And, um, but as an example, my buddy Antura who is this ET I communicate with telepathically um, on this water world in the Sirius B star system. He's a member of my soul cluster. But when I asked him that question recently, he said no. Uh, his, his soul interest or soul fragment interest is that he's an explorer. And he said not only exploring worlds or or continents, you know, when he's on Earth, he's had 800 Earth lives. But he said, I explore ideas and concepts. So that's his soul interest. So each each soul fragment has a different interest. That's so interesting. Okay, so now we go to Antura. And you call him a yes. brother on another planet. So yeah. is this, and, and, and in your book called The First Contact, and again, we're talking with Tom T. Moore, and now we're moving on to discussing the first contact, and you can find out more about his materials on thegentlewaybook.com, thegentlewaybook.com. Now we move into that whole discussion about first contact, how he has given you, on tour has given you so much information about what's going to happen on this planet, interfacing with Palladians and Syrians. I mean, just, it goes on. Was just, so please, 
<laughs> Walk us into this yeah. new out-of-the-box yeah, way of It does for. go on. There's hundreds and hundreds of questions. Uh, I, yeah. I started, I began communicating with him in 2008. At that time, I was having a conversation with Theo one day, and we were talking about uh, ruins, ET ruins, in Europe. I don't remember how we exactly got on the subject, but that's what we were talking about. And he said, oh, uh, a, a, a Syrian will show you that one day. And I said, um, you know, I started thinking, I said, do you mean me personally or do you mean you uh, hum, human-wise? And he said, no, you personally. And he said, uh, uh, I said, oh, well, that'll, that'll be neat. He said, yes, he's he's uh, tuning in right now. And after I got over the shock of, of thinking that I'd been on a private conversation with my own guardian angel, and it turned out it was a party line, I, he said, "Do you want to do you want to start talking to him, or you want to communicate with him?" I said, "No, let me think of some questions and let me get back with you." And so, a couple of weeks later, I I you know done a page of questions, and uh, and so that's when I started communicating with him. Now, at the time that I started communicating with him, you have to understand. You know, you ask about how can how do you verify that what you're getting is is uh, correct or whatever. Um, yeah, beyond imagination. I had, yeah. yeah, I had the idea. I had always read in in channeled things and all that the first people that we would come across that would introduce themselves to us would look exactly like us. They would. They would. They were. I, I knew they were Palladians, but I figured anybody else that would be making contact with us would look exactly like us. Well, so I started asking Antura questions, and and I didn't have his name at first, but uh, it it took a while to to get his name. It was Antu, and then Antura Ra, and then finally one day he said uh, Antura. It's like he. He almost yelled <laughs> the last <laughs> syllable into my my ear, and uh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just I was just fine. Oh, no, go oh, ahead, please. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought I interrupted you. Um, no, no, no. And and, and so uh, uh, so I started asking these questions. Well, you know, uh, what do you look like? And, uh, and and you have to. He told me. He said, Tom, uh, I'm under the same the same rules that you're under with with uh, Theo and Gaia and all, uh, you, I will answer all your questions, but they have to be very specific questions. You can't ask me general questions. And so that's why that whole book, or question after question after question, I have to ask. And, and, and like I would ask him, as an example, a question about about the mothership that he's coming in, and maybe I'd ask one in 2008, and, and another question in 2009, another in 10, and so on. And so when we put the book together, we combined all the questions about the mothership into basically one chapter with another uh, chapter right after that on on the crew that's coming in in the spaceship, and another chapter on the scout craft. So in other words. You know, we had to combine all these questions together. So when I started asking him about what he looked like, uh, you know, suddenly I'm hearing that he's got webbed fingers and, oh, he lives in a water world and, uh, you know, he's got webbed feet. And suddenly I said, wow, you don't, you don't look anything like us, do you? <laughs> so, 
so that that was a real surprise for me that that it turned out he's an amphibian living in a water world world and he can swim down to depths of 5000 feet you know below the uh the surface of the ocean in his home world and all of their cities are the, like these bubble cities that were built on top of caves that when they originally um uh, the souls originally started having lives on this water world 18 million years ago they uh, they had to live in caves in in the water and uh, their lives were always at peril because there's this big whale-like creature that loves to eat little tadpoles like they were and you know when they were young they're 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 small uh, little guys and and then they grow up and and they become they look at, like amphibians and if anyone has ever watched the um, the hellboy uh, movies there's a character in the movie by the name of Abe Sapien, S-A-P-I-E-N, that you can Google images for. On, uh, and uh, uh, that's as close as we can get to what, what Antura looks like as far as, 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 far as a, a science fiction character in a movie right now. Oh, that's interesting. So he gives you this visual image of himself or description, and do you anticipate that you will ever meet him physical form to physical form? Oh yes, uh, he's <clears throat> he's coming in 2017. Um, uh, you have to understand. Uh, first things first. In 2015, the Pleiadians will come, and they're going to look just like us. And the Pleiadians will will spoon feed us information, but it'll be a giant shock to many religions who don't believe there's anybody else but us on Earth. And lo and behold, these guys show up in a nice looking spaceship. And they're they're from the Pleiades, so that happens in 2015. In 2016, the Zeta Grays, those little guys with the big eyes that are only like three feet tall, uh, that uh, they'll come to apologize for abducting almost 26,000 people uh, in order to save their race. They were sort of harvesting uh, our DNA, specific DNA signatures. Uh, in order to create a hybrid race because their race was dying. And so they're going to come and apologize for that, which I think is going to be sort of traumatic for people because as I've gotten more into this, um, uh, these abductions, they didn't just abduct them one time. They would abduct them typically on an average 30 to 50 times and some people as many as 100 times. And, wow. And, and a... If they abducted a female and she was childbearing, they would keep her on the spaceship for nine months till she had the baby, and um, and then they would put her back into her bed as if she had, uh, you know, not you know left five minutes ago. And if she went to a gynecologist, the gynecologist would say, "Oh, you've been pregnant recently," and they'd say, "No, I haven't." You know, they wouldn't understand what had happened to them. Uh, uh, later on, the Zetas would get to the point where they could remove the fetus at four months and they would not have to keep the people on board the spaceship for such a long period of time. So these are some of the things, even some of them have come out since this book was published because I keep asking questions. I'm working on on first contact uh, uh, conversations with an ET2 now and uh, and people send me in questions every week for me to ask uh, Antura uh, about 
about different things, uh, abductions to you name it. Do you do you recommend that? Uh, you know, like we, we can say, you, you recommend definitely. We all do most benevolent outcome requests. And you also do you would recommend that we all try to make contact with our dreams, our dream world, and then thirdly, at the spiritual co-creation capacity, then the angels. Do you also recommend that we try to connect with our ET compatriots? Yeah, but I really recommend. Now, you have to understand, a lot of people don't understand telepathy and, and really communicating with spirit or communicating with, with uh, someone across the universe, which is instantaneous. And that's something that, that Theo says it will be many years before our scientists figure out what part of the brain is the receptor for these messages, whether they be from spirit or from another individual across the universe uh, or across the galaxy or whatever it happens to be. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it, it's all a form of telepathy. And, and I recommend that you surround yourself with white light. Go into meditation. If you're already doing meditation, just don't go as deeply as you normally do. Uh, stay in, in what I, I call, uh, and I think other people do too, uh, the alpha state. Don't go into the theta state because it will be too deep. It's like you'll almost go to sleep. Uh, and uh, it's what I call tripping out. So... Um, so you stay in that alpha state where you can ask the questions, uh, type the questions on a computer, or, or if you want to write them on a notepad and, and write the answers, whatever is most comfortable for you, or if, you know, speak the, the words and record them in a recorder. Uh, that would be much harder for me because then I'd have to transcribe, uh, and I'm not, I wouldn't be the greatest on transcribing. So. Um, so anyway, that's that's my recommendation. Start start with your own guardian angel who who loves you dearly and will protect you. And and when Theo connected me with Antura, I had no doubt that this was a benevolent being because my own guardian angel introduced me to him. Okay. Yes. Oh wow! I just it's um, a lot to take in. Yes. Yep. Do you uh, find that? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like going, it's like the matrix. How deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> mm-hmm. So and, and 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 how many layers and how many like on your timeline, for example, or how many soul connections? It's like you could go into all these multi. I, I don't. I want to say multi-dimensional ways, but I don't mean the word dimensional in terms of the way the scientists use it. But there's so many different delineations. Uh, from what you're talking about that people could travel yeah, into. I, right. I have a whole chapter on timelines in the first contact book because uh, Antura is going to visit me uh, on timelines like 12 down down through 5. And below, t- uh, and these are all parallel worlds where there's 12 me's, okay, except that on timelines 1 and 2, I died from congestive heart failure in 2006, so I'm no longer around. In timelines three and four, I never got into the international film business, and I've written a book on my experiences in the tour business, but I've never, uh, from what I understand, I have 
have no, never contacted Theo or or anyone like that. And it's only been on timelines five and above that all this, these contacts have been made. So now in the timelines, are these all 12 occurring simultaneously, or yes. is time not as right they are? Now, can you uh, visit these different timelines? You do in your dreams, actually. Uh, you'll you'll find dreams where where you're like as an example when when we decided to sell our wholesale tour company and and then I started an international uh, distribution company for film. Uh, I kept having dreams where I was doing things in the turbos. I knew that on some level, and I didn't know anything about timelines at that time, I, I was you know, familiar with the term parallel worlds, and I knew in some parallel world I was still in the tour business. And so that's, uh, you can, if you record your dreams, you can see uh, times where you'll, you'll be, you know, living in a different place, but you're, maybe the same age or whatever, or maybe you'll dream about a little bit younger. It it varies. Now, have you been able to verify these sort of like uh, coexistences? Have you, uh, or are you just piecing them together based on the dreams or the information given to you? I mean, what is your data source? What are your encyclopedia, so to speak, your Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, needless to say, I've asked, tons of questions of Theo about these timelines. And I understand he's told me that the timelines are divided into fours and then subdivided into twos. And he's given me specific information uh, about, uh, you know, my lives in, in, in each one of the timelines uh, where, as an example, on timelines nine and above, uh, when I went to Texas Christian University, uh, on these timelines, I... I um, I uh, graduated with a degree in finance. I, I specialized in business. But on the upper timelines, nine and above, I majored in English. Uh, and I said, well, what about, you know, I went through ROTC and became a first lieutenant. Um, and he said, well, you didn't have to on those timelines. Vietnam did not occur on those timelines. They settled their differences and uh, so you you didn't have to uh, go into the military, and um, uh, and you after you graduated you became a writer. You married your college sweetheart, moved to Colorado. Uh, you uh, you divorced uh, eventually, and um, and I said, well, I could have told told me that because she sent me a dear John letter when I was in Korea with the peacekeeping force. <laughs> so. So uh, uh, anyway, that's I mean those are the differences in lives. You can be obese in one life and sl uh, slim and trim in another life. Uh, so it all varies according to uh, to you know what the soul wants the biggest bang of the buck, and that's why they they created twelve timelines. There's no other place in the universe that has a space time continuum like ours and has twelve parallel worlds. We're the only ones. Not even not even individuals from different planets that are sharing our time space continuum. No, no, they're they're not in our space time continuum. That's um, they have to enter our space time continuum when they come here. 
So where where does that space time continuum vary, or is it like at the edge of the solar system, or the? It, it seems like it's kind of like the solar system. I haven't quite got a really close handle on that, but it seems like the, these guys. You know, you have to understand uh, some of these societies are are well over a billion years old, and, and that's just in in the Sirius star system. There are some societies that are over ten billion years old. Okay. So we're talking about really ancient societies. We're talking about so far ahead of us in technology. It's amazing. But the one thing that all of these societies are looking for us to help them is that they reached a plateau on their vibrational levels, and they've remained the same for millions of years. They've gotten stuck. And so, as I laughingly call it, when we go to the stars, we're going to kick alien butt and we're going to get them moving again. Because what we're mm-hmm. supposed to do is introduce tiny bits of negativity to them. Allah, as an example, a game. A game requires a winner and a loser, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't have games because that's, they don't have negativity. And we're mm-hmm. going to introduce games and... and and as Theo, well, as Antura describes it, he says, when you reach the stars, and it won't be till 3250 when we start going to the stars, and, uh, um, but when we reach the stars, uh, we're going to bring this negativity, and people are, start, are going to start raising their vibrational levels again, and they're going to be so excited about it, they will become like our missionaries, and they'll spread it to the whole universe. So that we're we're going to be the catalyst to do that. Huh. It reminds me of what Till 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 Scott talks about that we're the we're the planet of contrast, and that, yes. that that in providing the contrast we actually provide the tension for growth. Uh, so interesting. You say in the uh, toward the end of your book, uh, the Gentle Way Three. My guardian angels have told me that even with as long as I have been requesting MBOs around 14 years now, if I were to stop requesting them tomorrow, it wouldn't be too long before I would be just like everyone else, simply reacting to events and not being protected and guided. Yes. Interesting. And, well, and Theo, Theo says when, when you're requesting benevolent outcomes, you still have challenges in your life. It doesn't knock out your challenges. But what happens, he says, if you're not requesting MBOs, uh, you you get to a challenge, and it's like having to climb over a brick wall. But when you're requesting benevolent outcomes, it's like a big speed bump. You still have the challenge, but it lessens the severity of it. Well, Tom, Tom Timor, and you can, again, get his information off of his website, thegentlewaybook.com. I know you have a presentation you're going to be doing soon, Tell us about that, and then also think about what your parting message is to all of us who are learning to think outside the box. Sure. Um, I am going to be doing a, a, a global telecast, teleclass it's called, global teleclass for the Hilton Johnson Organization on Wednesday night. It's a full hour that will be just... Uh, on the first contact conversations with an ET book. And I will be their very last presenter because they, uh, they are ending their free teleclasses, and I'll be the last one to do it. So uh, I'll, I'll close the door and leave the building. And, uh, mm. 
and, and you can anyone can Google uh, Hilton Johnson Organization free uh, free teleclasses, or you can go on my website, which is even easier. Uh, go to articles and news uh, where all my newsletters are archived all the way back to 2007. Uh, choose the very latest one, and down at the bottom, it'll say under appearances, it'll give you a link to the website to sign up for the uh, uh, for the teleclass. So that's the easiest mm-hmm. way. Now, as far as my parting words, I, yes. I you know, I. I as Theo says, he says, you know, you can stay on this dusty, hard path that you're on and and always reacting to things happening in your life, or you can or, or you can start requesting benevolent outcomes and it takes you on to another path that's easier and and you can have time to smell the roses. It it mm-hmm. just takes the stress and the fear out of life. And you become so much, so so much a happier person. And you can you can read that in all those 350 pages of stories in the General Way Three, where people have sent me these stories about how how fantastic it's working in their lives and specific stories. Tom, thank you so much for taking your time to share this with us. I'm so looking forward, listeners, to hearing your reactions and tapping into trying out what most benevolent outcome requests do for you as well. Tom Timor, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to getting to know you more and seeing your other books down the road. Thank you so much for having me, and, and thanks, everyone, and have a most benevolent day. Absolutely, and to you as well, Tom. Cheers, everybody. You take care. You invigorate yourself to live life fully and completely, and here's yet another tool for you to do so. Cheers. 